Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Workplace Revolution with me, Sihe Bolani. So today is my birthday and I decided that for this episode, I wanted to do something different. Seeing as my birthday fell on a Tuesday, on a podcast publication day. And so I asked a good friend of mine, Ms. Onge Domego, to interview me for this episode. So buckle up and enjoy the conversation. Sisle, friend. Hi. <laughs> I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, we literally saw each other a year ago. Actually, my when word. You came to record an episode of the yes. podcast. Yeah. Yes, this world and how it has changed is a bit wild. Mm. You know, um, I think people that you thought were so easily accessible. Um, to you still are I guess electronically but just in the physical something that we took for granted Mm. Um, yeah it kind of makes meeting the people that are close to you seeing them physically again it's like a miracle you know Um, yeah so I'm just blessed that I see you in the physical right (laughs) hey Mm. it's something that I don't think we can take for granted um, I think especially because of a lot of the loss mm. that we experience uh, collectively mm. during this time. And it's interesting because, you know, usually loss is something that is quite personal to you in a normal quote-unquote mm. world, you know. Um, yeah, but this kind of virtual or hybrid virtual existence, I think, has made loss so collective. You know, even people you don't know personally, you just feel... You feel it, yeah. You feel it. So I guess... If one of the po- the points of this um, this pandemic, if if one of the points of it was to make us more compassionate, then you <sighs> by force or by fire, I think we've all we've all been forced to be that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and my friendship with you, um, I think started a bit on a compassionate note. If mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think f- especially from my perspective, I mean. <clears throat> I'd heard a lot of stuff about you, mm-hmm. um, things, and I was just like, okay, well, I, don't, I can't even remember how we met. I genuinely, can I say something? <laughs> Most of the people that I'm very, very close to, I have no recollection of how we met. Like, they are always the ones that tell me, no, it was this and this and this. I guess I just hang on to the, you know, what's come of it more than anything mm-hmm. else, than how it started. But I know from my perspective... I do think I had a bit of personal judgment about you because of things I'd heard until I got to know you. And I was just like, oh my God, (laughs) this chick is so cool, you know? So, and I don't know if compassion is the right word, but um, I certainly, I certainly just got over myself and my thoughts and my preconceptions in wanting to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's such a joy and it's such a pleasure um, that after all these years, I can proudly say that I know someone who's become a dear friend, consistently so, and everyone who's gotten to know you through your incredible work, um, which is public-facing, I can confidently say that that person that they interact with is the exact same person I know. There is no difference, um, and that's rare. 
um, with some people you may have to find yourself kind of explaining things or defending things. I know with me, whenever I make a, have a friendship with someone, I choose my corner, I choose my people and I stay there. Even if we're arguing, which thank God we never have, but even if we're arguing or we're going through a tough period or someone's not talking to me or whatever the case is, I know without a second of a doubt that in a moment when that person would need me, I would be there mm. for them, without a doubt. It happened recently with a friend of mine who lost someone very close to her. So I, I, I'm just grateful that we have this friendship because it's been so assuring and consistent, you know, and it's just been so nice to see the world, um, to have the world see you how I and so many other people see you, you know, and to have other people who might have had preconceived perceptions about you, to have them shift by just interacting with who you are, right? Um, so I think to get into this, I'm very grateful that you asked me to interview you for your birthday. Happy birthday, bitch! <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> it's a very long introduction, but um, um, yeah, happy birthday. And I think it's so great just to, just to, um, just the fact that you are doing this for your birthday. Um, I was having a conversation with people the other day, how, you know, you shouldn't really wait until it's the big 3-0 or it's the big 4-0 or the big 5-0 to do something spectacular. Like, mm -hmm. just do it anyway, because... Yo, this time has taught us that life is precious, that every day counts, right? Yeah. Sure. And in doing some research about the year 38, right, mm -hmm. the number 38 signifies relationships, coexistence, diplomacy, efficiency, creative self-expression, and optimism. Mm. So of all of these things that the 38th year represents, um, kind of which are you most looking forward to? I think probably relationships mm. um, because I am in a space where I feel like I have finally found where I need to be work-wise. Mm -hmm. um, I'm no longer wondering about what my purpose is, mm -hmm. um, but certainly I have felt a deep yearning for particular kinds of relationships. Mm. Um, you know me, I have friends that I can count on literally one hand, mm, <laughs> you know, mm, and mm. this is a conversation that I've had with my mom to say, I really want to be in a space where I am able to expand my tribe with mm. the right kind of people. Mm. So the people that I have in my life now, I just like want to multiply mm, them because mm. I want to have a bigger community that mm. I can call friends, you know, um, but also romance mm. man i mean i've been single for so long <laughs> child and i'm not interested you're in not interested anymore dating relationships mm. like i want to settle down i want to find my husband and mm. you know have your husband to, find you thanks yeah you know mm. um and be able to begin building our family and, mm. and, and our life together and whatever it is that we choose to do because I also do understand that the work that I am here to do is so expansive and mm. so 
meaningful and so impactful that I mm. can't just be married to anyone. Absolutely. So I also understand why it's taken so long. But at the same time, I'm mm. like, yo, <laughs> I'm through. <laughs> I need a vacation. <laughs> I need somebody whose head I can rest my shoulder on because yeah. also, you know, life gets tough. And yeah. as much as I appreciate my family and appreciate my friends, there's just some things where you're just like, I really just want the comfort of yeah. my man, yeah. my partner, you know? And I think it's okay to, to want that. And I think it's okay to need that, you know? I think... um we kind of live at a time where, you know, the, the, the landscape of opportunities for women is, is, is quite different. Um, and, you know, women take up as many opportunities as they possibly can, which maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago was an impossibility. But it doesn't necessarily mean that <clears throat> there are certain things that we hold dear, like relationships that we don't want and that it's wrong to want that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I... I I appreciate you being um, kind of authentic in that, just to say this is the truth of who you are now at this stage in your life. And um, this type of a relationship is fundamental for you taking the next step in your life forward. And I think you've always done that well in understanding what is it that you really want at each phase in your life and and how is it going to come about. Mm-hmm. And I see that especially in your in your career, Right, and your shift from corporate to entrepreneurship, which was always buzzing here and there for you, but then how you went into it full, full landscape. Which brings me to this idea called path number. I love, I love live path numbers. I don't know, call me weird, but I definitely believe in that stuff. Not believe in it, but I, I hold space for it. Right. So, according to your birth date, I mean you're thirty eight, so you can say how twenty seventh of April nineteen eighty three. Yes. So, um, according to that, your life path number is a seven, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a four, like Kim Kardashian and Oprah Winfrey. Thank you. <laughs> you are a seven. <laughs> um, a seven is known to be the seeker of knowledge. So, I just want to read something about y'all sevens. Mm-hmm. Seven is the seeker of knowledge. You are always looking for knowledge. It's the glory of finding the answer that drives you. This can lead to some interesting journeys. And you tend to do this on your own. So I think that is completely accurate for you in the sense that you, I mean, if if you've read, if you haven't read, we are the ones we need, we're not talking to you. So (laughs) go to your next podcast. But those of you who have will know about your journey in corporate um, and how you were constantly seeking the knowledge of why this reality was like, was the way it was mm. for you and for so many black women. Mm. And then you had the courage to shift that and kind of turn it into this growing publishing and media empire, I guess, um, that you are building, right? So we are the ones we need, working well, black, connected, um, even your foundation work with We Said No, all of these brands that you've had, that you've built, um, they really are knowledge-seeking platforms. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess along this process, what have you learned the most about yourself in deciding to, to create them and in deciding to shift from corporate to building these knowledge platforms for so many other black women? Mm-hmm. I think one of the 
biggest realizations for me was that I tend to lean into the things that I once needed mm. and want to create that for others. Mm. Um, I definitely am always curious mm. about things, about life, about phenomena mm. that happen around us. Um, and now more so than ever, particularly around injustice. Mm. So the work that I do, the courses that I'm studying are all to help me get a better understanding of those spaces. Mm. I get a better understanding of human psychology, a mm-hmm. better understanding of behavior, a better understanding of, um, you know, social discourse and, and, and beliefs that we hold and why we hold those beliefs because my ultimate goal is to get to a point where I understand why things are happening Mm. so that we can then unpack how to undo all of the damage that's been done Mm. um and uh, you know it's interesting to to hear that I'm a seeker of knowledge because I remember probably last year or the year before my mom and I were just having a conversation and I was just like people who study their PhDs, I don't know how they do it, but that life, I am not about it. (laughs) And my mom was like, I know you, you'll do it. Mm. Mm. You'll be popping out going, okay, Mm. I'm registered for my PhD. Mm. I agree. Um, And it's, it's true. That's just who I am. Mm. Um, And that's just how my brain operates because I hate the fact that the world is in the state that it's in mm. and the fact that we have leaders who do the things that they do mm-hmm. and I'm not prepared to just sit by and not do or say anything about it. Um, so I just made a decision that wherever I am with whatever I have, no matter how much or how little it may be, mm-hmm. I'm going to contribute towards undoing the damage in one way or another. Mm. That's so powerful. And I mean, if I think of the the most successful people in this world, and look, I mean, people can have their many different views on them, um, especially the Bill Gates 5G COVID conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy theorists, which I'm not, look, which I'm not denigrating in any way, but I think all things equal, if you look at the people who are the most successful, um if we define success in in a particular way, they generally tend to be the people who have created something that has done exactly what you're saying, who have created something that has really shifted the needle for others. Um, That's the irony. It's almost like something that has the vision of, yeah, something that really comes from a, a, a certain selflessness and really has the vision of unlocking things for a lot of people, um, ends up being the, you know, probably the most rewarding in many different ways. Um, how have you, how do you feel you've been rewarded um, through throughout this period? Um, it's interesting because, and I had a, a conversation, a brief one, um, with someone a few days ago about Mm. this very idea that you can be doing a whole lot of work that will benefit 
certain people, mm. a certain group of people, or you know, um, and it'll be those people who will benefit from your work, who generally don't make it easy for you to get the work done. Mm. Um, and that has been one of the most difficult things about this journey is so interesting. Putting in this work, which is time, it's my own money behind developing this content, putting mm. it out there, making it accessible, um, you know, making sure that people have access to it, making sure that people are learning, making sure that there are subject matter experts mm. outside of myself who mm. are able to build on the knowledge. Um, and for so many people, it's still not enough. Mm. Like, people will still come and say, um, but what about? But can you, why, you need to do a topic that covers this. Mm. And then I'll be like, actually, if you've gone through the content, you will know that we covered it mm. on Instagram TV and on YouTube. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. Thanks. Mm. Or I need advice. Sure. This is how much I charge per hour. Mm. And then people disappear. Mm. And it's so disheartening to, to know the amount of work that goes into what I do and people don't get to a point where they value it monetarily mm. where it's just we want to take as much as we can take for mm. free but we mm. will not give you our money mm. even though we are benefiting from this work that you mm. are doing and that's one of the most the more painful things about this journey we're where, benefiting and we just might be, not be saying yeah mm. yeah and it's very difficult i had somebody um on another social media platform comment on a post that i had saying you know we need to have more conversations about the experiences of women in the workplace. And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) hey, hey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ma'am. Really? Yeah. You say this to me. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know? Um, And so I've really had to work very hard and my, my family and my close friends have really been amazing with, with helping with this is being able to, find the value in my work on my own mm. without necessarily hoping and waiting for other people to mm. see my value or to celebrate me or to mm. be rewarded mm. um, for that work. Um, so being able to be validated by the people who see what I put into it, by the people who see the value of what I do, mm. those are the people who feel me and keep mm. me going. Mm. Um, because this is a, a a very lonely road. It's a very yeah. difficult road because I'm having conversations that many organizations don't want to have mm-hmm. because it's going to open up so many different cans of worms, um, so much liability legally for them from a labor perspective. And so many doors are closed in my face, even though they would be helpful for organizations and their employees. But this is something that I'm up against. Mm. But... I haven't been able to remain committed to, you know, the ultimate goal, which is to be able to make sure that the right people have access to the right information and hopefully they will use that and be able to create a different reality for themselves. Mm. What has it taught you most about yourself? (sighs) My resilience, I think, is probably the biggest one, but also being able to find comfort in my vulnerability Mm. you know um i'm no longer in a space where i feel like i need to 
pretend that life is perfect and things are okay and business is great and everything is just working the way that it should. Um, I have, I mean, I'm at a phase where I've really experienced far more L's than I have <laughs> wins. I have far more disappointments than I have successes. And it's it's difficult and it's frustrating. Um, but I've been able to to learn that it doesn't depreciate me as a person mm. you know um the 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 challenges the the closed doors none of that makes me less than it mm-hmm. doesn't devalue my work or its importance the fact that i don't get booked for speaking engagements where i should be or where i'm not considered to be do you know what i mean mm. all of these things mm. that we place so much value on i've had to be able to change my 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 relationship with them and the way in which i perceive those things Mm. and be able to self-validate um and for me it's been a big learning curve in also just understanding that i have the capacity to to learn yes um but also just embrace life as it is mm. um without necessarily losing hope for something better mm. um something different something more fulfilling um oh, i love that oh um, man i always have that no matter what it looks like now someday eventually things will be different and that's honestly what keeps me going mm. Uh, not always I mean there are days where I'm just like I just want to pack everything up Mm. (laughs) and leave all of this alone Uh, there are many days where I think maybe I should just go out get a job you know but I know that I will never be able to be employed because I can't be in an environment that's going to stifle what I believe in Mm. so it's been an interesting journey Um, but one of the the biggest things I've learned and I suppose you know when I left corporate in 2015 I was in a space where like many people I was so afraid of losing the things that I believe made me mm. so I was so afraid of losing the money losing my drop top Audi losing my social status mm. losing so many different things mm. and I lost all of that mm. um, and I've had to rebuild from literally from scratch mm. rebuild my career rebuild my finances rebuild my relationships mm. what i do have now anyway um and so you know i've had to to be okay with losing everything as long as it's not myself did you lose a lot of um relationships on the way and were you alluded to it yeah friendships absolutely mm. many many mm. many but I, and I think that speaks to the resilience that you that you talk about. I mean, I think, and I think it's more of a question. Anything else than a comment? Has that helped you um, navigate um, this COVID existence? That has it helped you navigate it better? Because for many people in the world, um, that kind of severe loss mm-hmm. that you had experienced is what people. When many people have experienced since the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and for many of them, it's for the first time. For others, it's just, you know, a different variant of the same type of loss. But 
did that experience pre-COVID kind of help you navigate this uncertainty better? Absolutely. Mm. Because as, as much as I have a few friends that are very dear to me, I don't have any actual attachments. Mm. So I love you and you're my friend and I will show up when I need to and we'll connect when we need to, but I'm not attached to you. Mm. I can live life without mm. seeing you. Mm. Stay mm. in touch because we're human and we actually like each other. Mm. <laughs> we like chatting to each other. Mm. But my life is okay mm. if I don't see you, mm. you know? Um, and so this past year hasn't been p- very different for me in mm. that way because that's just how I've I've been. Mm. That's how I've lived my life. Mm. Um, you know, and that's not to say that I am a less compassionate or less committed to the relationships that I have, not mm. at all. Um, it's just the way that I am. And fortunately, yeah, I have friends who get that. I have friends yeah. who don't expect to chat to me on a daily or even a weekly basis, mm. but they know that they can count on me mm. uh, whenever they need me. Um, and I think it's also this, uh, you, you alluded to the loneliness, um, how it's a lonely path, but I think it's, it's that coming full circle and coming back kind of to serve you mm. um, and showing up as, as a strength, showing mm. itself as a strength for you in the sense that I think a, it's been a lonely period for, 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 for many people. Yeah. And if you are not familiar with a certain type of loneliness, um, it can be very triggering. Mm-hmm. It can really set you off balance. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think if, if I just observe, um, I do think that one of the things you do do well um, is kind of maintain a sense of Maintain a sense of, of, of stability. I know that's what you've certainly done for me. And I know that sounds strange. But in the sense that, I don't know, man. I kind of feel like even if I messaged you randomly, like months apart, <laughs> it's the same person I'm talking to, mm. right? So it's, um, you, you know how to stabilize people. It's just as, I don't know, like that's, that's personally my, my experience of you. Um, for some of the 38 years I've known you, I wish it was longer, but uh, you definitely have a stabilizing effect, which I think is a brilliant quality to have. Um, it's just an assurity, man, of your spirit, of your presence. It's just like, it's very assuring. Um, and I think partly you get that, or you get that partly rather from your mother, mm-hmm. um, uh, quote worker. Um, (laughs) my interactions with her have always been like phenomenal but I mean I guess what has being mothered by her what has that like how has that experience shaped you because she's definitely a unique like parent (laughs) she is it's interesting because um, everybody that I know um who has an oh who knows me because it's a very interesting dynamic who has met my mom always says you have the coolest mom i wish i wish my mom was like that um and i say people who know me because i have i will have people on social media commenting on my posts and be like i met your mom she's so amazing you're so lucky (laughs) 
And, you know, I, and I always tell her, and we've had so many conversations about it. My mom is a very strong woman and she is a force. Mm. Like, she is just, and she's a Leo, so... Mm. You know, she, she does not suffer fools. Mm. Uh, she's very clear about what works, what doesn't work for her, what mm. she will and will not tolerate. But in that, she's also very different from me. Mm. You know, she's very outspoken. She's very much a people's person. Mm. She's she's mm. an extrovert. Mm. And I'm not that, mm. you know. Um, and we certainly haven't always had the type of relationship that we have now. Mm. Um, we have had many, many difficult years where we just were not able to find common ground, where we just could not hear or understand each other. Mm. We've had numerous clashes uh, that have been truly, truly horrible, that have truly tested our relationships. Like, we've hit rock bottom. Um, so it really hasn't been an easy journey to get to where we are now. But I'm so thankful that we, we are where we are because I can say now that my mom is literally like my best friend. Mm. She knows everything. She hears everything. Um, and it, it's great to be in that kind of space. Um, but she has taught me a lot about being the type of person that people can rely on. Mm. Uh, being the type of person who is truthful on how they show up mm. um, because my friends if, if you know me and you go somewhere and somebody says something about me mm. you will instantly be able to say <laughs> there's no way because my character is consistent mm. um, and that's something that I have learned from her um, but also she has taught me a lot about and particularly when I was going through my issues at that bank <laughs> that mm. I wrote about, she told me a lot about thinking strategically about how I show up in a fight when mm. I need to, um, how to to deal with confrontation and push through the discomfort um, that it brought for me. Um, and so it's, 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 it's been so helpful to have that kind of influence. But also, she was really influenced um, my journey in investing and getting to understand and learn about myself and also to to heal mm. because there's so many things that need to be healed mm. so many um experiences and traumas that have needed to be addressed and dealt with and all of these things and she has held space for me um to be able to deal with those things even if it meant dealing with something that she had done that mm. had affected me mm. adversely she owns it and mm. she apologizes and, you know, we are able to move on and vice versa, you know. Um, and so that's really been helpful to have a space where we can be honest about our experiences with and of each other mm. and be able to heal through that together. Mm. And so now we have a very, very healthy relationship. Um, and I'm very thankful for that because not many people get to experience that. Mm. And in you having that relationship with her... Um, what lessons from it? She spoke a lot about healing, things that hadn't been healed and all of that. Like, What lessons from that mothering experience have you used to, to mother Fifi all of these years? All oh. of these 16 years. <laughs> that girl needs to yeah. pension now. Girl. She's so old. <laughs> she really needs to earn her keep. Um, 
So there's a, a number of things that I, I do either because I've, I've learned them from my mother or because I experienced them and decided to do it differently with my daughter. Mm. So, for instance, I don't hit my child as a mm. form of, of, you know, um, discipline. discipline. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't hit her. Uh, which is different from my mom because girl, I got my face shade. <laughs> Yo. Um, but also, you know, I don't, I don't shout at her in front of people. Mm. If I need to discipline her, it'll be her and I one on one. Um, but also just listening. Mm. So, people might call it back chatting, mm. but my daughter expresses herself. Mm. If she feels something is unfair, <laughs> she will say something's unfair. Mm. And I don't shut her down for it. I mm. don't exert my power as the mother to be able to, 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 you know, stifle her in that way. Because I want her to be able to keep that same energy, which is an adult. Mm. To be able to say, no, I don't like that. Or don't speak to me like that. Or mm. that's unfair. Or, you know. Mm. Um, but also, my mom's calmness as a grandmother helps me a lot. <laughs> Because there are times where I'm just like, I'm, I'm generally a very calm person, but obviously there'll be moments where your child is just pressing the heck out of your buttons. And my mom will see my face just kind of changing. And she'll just be like, it's okay. <laughs> Breathe. It's just a phase. She'll get over herself. At some point, she won't be the selfish. <laughs> it's okay. You're doing great. <laughs> you know, and that really helps to have somebody who's able to just be like, let it go, let it go. It's okay, you know. Um, so I'm I'm very thankful that to be able to be in a space where we live together and she can be there as as a buffer and as a source of sanity sometimes. Um, but also, you know, she offers so much security for my daughter. You know, um, she's a soft landing place for both of us, um, and we certainly do the same for her it's always been us the three musketeers you know um but yeah another thing that i've learned from her is just you know if somebody comes for people that you love it's a war like i will yeah i remember when my daughter was still because i mean she's homeschooled now but when she was still going to school she was still i remember when she was probably like six or seven going to this private school and some white kid came for her and i was like okay me, I am not above yanking a seven-year-old white girl because nobody is going to mess with my child. And I've just always been that type of parent. Mm. I don't bother nobody. Don't come for my child. Mm. Um, and I remember when she was, she had moved to another school. And this was probably about four years ago or so. And one of the teachers um, had come for her. And I went to that school and I dealt with it. And that man was fired. And hmm. I was just, I became known as that. Everybody, the other teachers would be like, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> you do not want Rufilo's mom to come here. Don't. Don't do it. Because I will not allow anybody to abuse my child mm. for any reason. I will drag you for filth. Mm. Um, and I will use whatever resources are available to me because I will not allow anybody to abuse my child ever. So... Yeah, that fire definitely comes from my mom, for sure. 
And I think this, um, the, the fact that it's literally, you have the experience of three generations of black women. I'm sure it's, it's a great kind of um, pool of knowledge of insights to draw from um, when it comes to your work, right? And, um, and I'm, I'm sure it's shaped the way because um, you're a fighter for black women and how they've always been abused, mm. um, particularly in the workplace. Um, and I mean, I know I've benefited from the work that you've done. So I just think it's interesting that you, how everything has just worked out to, to serve, you know, all sides of your life mm. um, and how it all worked out the way it should, you know, at least up until this point right now. Um, and I think also in, in, in that, um, there's a lot of kind of bravery that you've had to um, exert and show. Um, just a lot of bravery and also not being afraid to think um, of yourself and what is best going to make you uh, the best Sisle that has to be a daughter and a mom and an entrepreneur and whatever. And one of those things is um, the recent surgery you went through um, with your breast reduction. Um, um, so, I mean, what, what was the experience? What, what inspired that experience, rather? What inspired that, um, that surgery? I mean, I know you've written a lot about it on social media, but just... You know, for for some of people, who, some of the people who might not have been able to engage with that, like like what, what inspired you to to do that? I. I would say that I was, a late bloomer, and that you know things that were happening to people around me kind of took a while <laughs> to get to me. So, mm. when I think about when I was when I had my my first period, it was, after my friends had already long started. Um, my boobs grew in long after my friends as well, you know. But it kind of got to a point where they just, like, accelerated their growth and it just felt like it just never stopped. Mm. Um, and, you know, for... for uh, There's so many diff different reasons why I've been wanting to do this. It's Number one, I just felt uncomfortable with them. They were just too heavy for me. Um, they were giving me all sorts of aches and pains in my back and neck and shoulders and all of that. Nothing fits properly, you know. Um, if you want something to fit your bust and your waist and your hips, mm. like it has to be tailored. And it's just a mission, finding nice bras that fit, mm. matching sets. Like mm. all of these things are just like impossible. And bras are more expensive with that kind of size because I was an E. Mm. And it was just horrible. But also, it, the trauma of being sexualized from a young age mm. because of having a big bust was just so much to bear. You know, it felt like for all these years, when I walk into a room, I felt like I'm leading with my chest because mm. it just always draws attention to itself, you know. Um, and people make the assumption, oh, well, this much into adulthood, you've gotten over it. Exactly, mm. you know. Um and so all of that combined was just like, they got to go, you know. Um, and the first time that I actually consulted with the surgeon was like in 2014. Mm. 
because I wanted to understand what the procedure would be like and how much it would be and all of that stuff. Um, and then, obviously, I couldn't afford it then. <laughs> and then um, in 2017, I met a plastic surgeon and you know, one of the things where you have meet through a mutual contact mm. and it's like, oh, this he's a plastic surgeon. I'm like, oh, really? Do you do boot productions? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was always happy to have that conversation, you know? Um, and he's just like, yeah, give me a call. I was like, okay, fantastic. <laughs> and I remember um, getting in touch with him um, about three years ago and he gave, his office gave me a quotation and I was just like, yeah, let's just carry on with our big boobs (laughs) because what (laughs) so that was like three years ago and then in march um i went on twitter and i just like put out a tweet and said who's had breast reduction surgery done how have you found it are you happy with your results how much did it cost and you know, everybody like was Responded. just chipping in, like it mm. became such a big conversation, which showed me firstly just how many black women were getting it done because I didn't it's have not any something idea. people speak about. Yeah, yeah, people don't talk about it enough. Yeah. Um, but also seeing how many people want to do it, mm. how many people are desperate to get this weight off their chest, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as part of that conversation, somebody then tags this plastic surgeon that I spoke to three years ago. Hmm. And so I respond and I'm like, oh, no, I know him. I just can't afford him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he called me hmm. like a day or two later. And he's like, okay, come and see me. Let's talk. Oh, man. And that's literally how it happened. I had a consultation with him on a Friday. Sure. Paid. And on the following Wednesday, I was getting my surgery. And it was honestly like it was such a a breeze or a process. Like I went, Mm. I was so excited before seeing him. Mm. I was excited after seeing him. Mm. It was just the night before the surgery. I was just like, (gasps) this is really about to happen. Mm. Um, And going into, and I mean, I've I've documented this on, on Instagram. I have a whole video around it, but going into that hospital on the morning of the surgery and it was just such a pleasant experience mm. throughout. Mm. You feel so taken care of. Um, and he just, you know, to be able to to trust a surgeon because of the way that they treat you, mm. because you feel like a person, you feel like they see you. You're not just a number. You're mm. not just some woman who's there for a breast reduction, you know. Um, he literally treats his patients like they matter, mm. like they are people. He understands the struggle. He understands. He empathizes, mm. you know, um, and he's passionate about his work. Mm. And so that was a big deal for me in terms of choosing to walk down this route with him and entrust my boobs to him, mm. you know. Um, so it really was amazing. And I remember being wheeled into theater, and I'm so used to every time I need to get need to have an operation or whatever the anesthetist is always a white man (laughs) (laughs) every single time (laughs) and this time i get rolled in and it's a young black doctor well black woman yeah and i was just like oh Mm. this is so beautiful (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, if this doesn't represent me, then I don't know what does. <laughs> hey, working while black. Hey, connected. Hey, connected. <laughs> I was like, this is exactly what I'm working for. Yeah. This is the energy. You Amazing. Know? Amazing. And it really has been one of the best decisions I could have taken for myself. And I'm so happy to be in a space where I don't feel shame about it. Yeah. Where I can share the journey for what it is. Yeah. Where I can proudly say yeah i had a boob job the opposite of it but yeah. it's a boob job um and i'm proud of it and i'm good with it and i'm happy that i did it and it was important for me to document the process because you know when i was doing my research about it if you go onto youtube or whatever most of the things that come up are white women sharing their stories mm. outside of south africa just it's not a black woman's story you know mm. and i was just like it's so important for me to document the various steps in this process and how it has been for me and what people can expect from it because you want to be able to have Walk these stories informed. and hear them for mm. people from people that look like us mm. you know mm. um and i think it's also and thank you for that because i think it's also important to show um the vastness of a black woman's experience mm. you know um we're not just one way mm. we are so multifaceted and i think one of the black women who lived her life like that was um, a close friend of yours, Dr. Cindy Fonseil, who recently um, tragically succumbed to COVID-19. So, and I mean, you guys were close for <clears throat> quite, quite some time. I remember meeting her at the launch of your book. And um, she, just in you talking about your um and you're talking about your experience now with your breast reduction and how the doctor treated you like a person like you were cared for just in reading a lot of the personal experiences that people had with her um that people were lucky enough to have with her they um all speak about how she made them feel exactly like that um and, and what is her friendship to you it, it, you know, just from, from what I could see, it seemed like a very supportive one, but what had, what has that friendship meant for you, um, as a black woman being, you know, friends with someone who is also a black woman and successful in her own rights and a medical doctor, but also multifaceted and not one dimensional because that's what she was, mm -hmm. you know? Cindy was a very fascinating woman. Um, because here is someone who is in this very serious field. Mm. You know, her choice of career is a very intense one. Mm. Um, and it has so many various complexities that it brings with it. Um, outside of treating patients, there's yeah. so many other issues, micro, macro issues that, you know, you deal with. Mm. Um and I've had a number of conversations with her just around some of the frustrations that she had, mm. you know, around just what came with that particular field. But she never, ever was distracted from understanding why she was a doctor in the first place mm. or shying away from the fights that she would have to fight because it ultimately they benefited her patients. Mm. Um, 
she always put people first. Mm. She was always about people, always mm. about what is the right thing to do. Mm. And she, as a result, she's been sidelined numerous times mm. because of that, because mm. of the stances that she takes that put people first, um, because she won't just sign on to something even if she knows that it's ultimately not actually going to be positively impactful on people. Um, and so she's paid hefty prices along the way because she has chosen, she had chosen to be a doctor who operates from a place of integrity at all times. She had so many disappointments, um, so many opportunities that she has mourned because mm. we all know if you stand for something, you get punished along the way because of it. But that never altered who she was, it never altered how people experienced her. Um, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things. I mean, I've, I've read so many stories that people have shared about the experiences of her and with her. And it's everybody's experience is the same. Mm. You know, she just was a beautiful person. She was the kind of person that anybody could talk to about anything. Um, and that's not just because she was so easily accessible, but because anybody could relate to her. And for people to relate to her, she would have had to show herself in her most vulnerable as places and moments and she did that you know we knew about her struggles in her career her struggles with passing and, and be qualifying as a doctor mm. her, uh, we've heard about her marriage and her role as a mother we've heard about her struggles with with depression and the loss of her mother and we saw her humanity because she allowed us to mm. um, and she allowed us to see that she is more than just a doctor mm. and she is more than just a wife and more than just a mother. She was so many different things. She was a force. She was a personality and a half. She was a DJ. She was a radio presenter. She was everything. <laughs> <laughs> she was an influencer. She was mm. literally living life as fully as she could. Mm. And that is certainly one of the things that I hope many of us can take from her life mm. just living in the moment not chasing we spend so much of our time chasing one thing chasing the next achievement chasing to be on the list of the top this or the top that and we miss out on so much of what life is truly about the quality stuff mm. um, and she was very much about the quality stuff mm. every moment for Cindy was a moment you know that's beautiful um, what have you what have you stopped chasing um, and what are you what are you committed to now living for I have stopped chasing applause mm. because for the longest time I associated applause with success mm. um, because then I felt like okay then I must be on the right path but then what happens is if you have that kind of mentality, when the critics come along, it mm. destabilizes you. Mm. And so I don't chase the applause anymore. I now I'm able to gauge what is successful for me based on is it in line with my beliefs? Mm. Is it in line with what I've set out to do? Is it in line with my why? And ensuring that I'm not compromising myself in whatever it is that I do. So that's what I've stopped. And what 
I'm now conscious about is being present. I'm somebody who has always struggled with anxiety mm-hmm. because I'm always thinking about what's down the line. Okay, I'm now here. Okay, that's fantastic. That's great. But what am I going to do two years from now? Mm-hmm. What is that going to look like? What am I, you know? And my brain has always operated in that way. And that has a lot to do with the trauma that I've experienced. And so uncertainty felt very uncomfortable. Mm. But now I've really, particularly over the past year, have invested in learning to find a place and a space for myself to be in each moment. Um, and to not be thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. Mm. But to take each moment for what it is, embrace it, enjoy it, and and to not hold on to things that I have no business holding on to. Mm. Um, and also working with a coach has really helped me to be able to do that and to live that. Um, because now even when something that would be devastating happens, I'm able to find a stillness within myself and be able to observe that thing as opposed mm. to letting that thing live in me. So I can observe it and be like, oh, okay, so that's what it is. Let it go. And my peace of mind has benefited so much from that. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, what are you going to miss the most about here? About? About Dr. Cindy. Oh. Her laugh. She had the most infectious laugh. Um, but also, she just had such... Uh, an appetite for gossip like she was just <laughs> she's always been like Sikha have you heard <laughs> it's like oh gosh <laughs> but you know it's interesting because I was reading through our old text messages and laughing because I don't know how many times I have shouted at her for her naivety mm. you know um, and that's just the kind of person that she was. She always wanted to see the good in people. Mm. She always assumed everyone was operating from good faith, mm. you know, and I'd always be like, oh, but Cindy, now, oh, how many times must I tell you, <laughs> you know? And she just, she just could never imagine that people choose to do bad things, you know? Um, and so, and... <sighs> And even in those experiences, it never jaded her. And I, th- you know, I'm definitely going to miss her, her sunny disposition, for sure. Uh, but also just how gentle she was as a person. Mm. She really was a soft landing place for so many of us. Mm. Um, yeah, sunny disposition makes me think of the word happy. Usually on birthdays, we say, happy birthday. <laughs> And one question that's always never been easy for me to answer is, are you happy? Mm-hmm. As you turn 38 on the 27th of April, 2021, are you happy? I have moments where I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but am I happy all the time? No. Mm. Um, are there things that I would like to be different? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, am I happy with my family? Absolutely. I can't imagine better people to live and do life with. 
Um, am I happy as a mother? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love my child. Absolutely. Like, I can't imagine life without her. Like, mm-hmm. she is everything. Um, am I happy with my work? Partly. Mm-hmm. Are you happy with yourself? Yes. That's all that matters. I am. I am. I'm very proud of who I am today. I'm very proud of the work that I've done. Um very proud of the things that I've let go of <laughs> very proud of the restraint that I have you know sometimes you see some things and you're like listen <laughs> <laughs> I got some things to say but <laughs> you know um, but I'm very I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the decisions that I've made for myself mm. because they have served me best mm. Mm. and I think them serving you best has enabled you to serve the world best Mm. just by being who you are and having that filter through the incredible and important and impactful work that you're doing so from my heart to yours thank you thank you cheers cheers (laughs) (laughs) oh and happy birthday happy And thank you for joining us for another episode of The Workplace Revolution with me, Sikhle Bolani. I'll see you again next time.